0: Live and local, this is Perth Live with Oliver Peterson.
1: 25 to 5. Joining me in the studio now is the Federal Minister for Industry and Science, Ed Husick. Lovely to see you, Minister. G'day.
0: How are you? Um, don't call me a, like, We've known each other long enough. You don't need to call me Minister. <laughs> but
1: you are a minister. Yeah, sure. But it just feels weird when you say it. You know? <laughs> Hello, Minister. How are you going, Ollie? <laughs> oh, I'm not too oh, bad. I'm so Mr dead. Peterson. You want to do this? Let's play. Let's play. Well, we can play that if you like. I just want to start with some of the comments, though. You know, you treasure it today. If you're just on the Sunrise program with David Kosh being asked... About whether or not there'll be capital gains tax coming into the family home, couldn't really answer it earlier on. He's come out and cleared it up later. Does he want to do this though? Is this in his mind? Is this one of his plans?
0: No, Well, look. I mean, he can obviously talk through uh, from his perspective, uh, you know, where his uh, heads at on that, and he's cleared it, cleared it all up. But you know, from our point of view, we think in terms of the broader superannuation change that we flagged. It's not in until the next after the next election um you know the it's targeting uh people with balances of 3 million dollars 99.5% of sure. people unaffected the average super balance about 150,000 so we've we've been upfront about what's being done and it's been driven uh in large part because we've inherited a big budget deficit a large debt we've got to rein this in we've got to rein in inflation put downward pressure on interest rates And so there are things that governments need to do, responsible decisions like this, that that that's why we're going through that process. Are they broken promises though? No, because, uh, you know, the PM was quite clear before the election saying no major changes. We flagged that we'll do it after the next election. Um, We'll obviously set the framework up, but it'll be stuff that, you know, it goes to the next election. People will get to vote on it then. And I think the PM has kept faith with the public in terms of what he said. And flag that, you know, this is something we need to do for longer-term budget repair. What about public servants and politicians' entitlements? Mm-hmm.
1: Is that going to be reviewed too?
0: I, I think you've seen the uh, comments made around defined benefits. I'm not in that that's going. I was elected uh, afterwards, so we all have the, you know, similar superannuation Some of the vintage systems. politicians. But but that, that consult, we've said that that will be um, taken into account, but the consultation around how that's done, because it's a different system, you need to work that through.
1: What, is this the, the way, though, that your government's going to try and just fly things up the flag with the public, see which way the wind blows, and then make a decision? Because it's, it's been a bit uncertain over the last 10 days or so, Minister.
0: I think uh, if you take... Look, the two points I'd make. One, we have said, you know, we will do what we said we would do. That is, we've, we've got a stack of things we're working on, like, for example, the National Reconstruction Fund that I'm responsible for. Yeah. What we said we'd do, we're doing. Uh, and... Uh, We're committed to that. But there are some things, Ollie, that occur through the life of government or or they become bigger issues, and in particular, the concern around the size of the deficit, um, the impact on inflation, trying to bring down interest rates. There's stuff that you do have to do and you have to act on, and that's what we're trying to do, get that balance right on the things that we've got to do and the things we've got to deal with. Will there be a lot of changes, do you think, in the May budget? Uh, not well, I think the May budget itself is really our focus. All the ministers have been told we've got to find savings. I've certainly stumped up savings in the last budget and looking at them now and being responsible around, uh, the way we use uh, taxpayer dollars. Mm. A lot of the stuff in my area is about building capability and capacity. It's an investment in the economy now and into the future. So, uh, you know, that is where our focus is. We've, we've been, we've inherited a terrible mess, $1 trillion of debt not much to show for it, and people expect that that will be reined in and dealt with.
1: Speaking of the National Reconstruction Fund, which is what you are here mm. talking about as well today, it's a boost for local manufacturing. Yeah. Uh, that's not a laissez-faire, though, is it? You, you need some crossbench support if this mm. bill is to go through the parliament. Yeah. So just explain to us what you're trying to do.
0: Well, I think the Reconstruction Fund itself, the National Reconstruction Fund's the biggest investment in manufacturing capability in living memory across a range of different areas. It's about, as I said earlier not just looking at the economy now, but into the future, what will create jobs, uh, what will create growth for us longer term. And manufacturing, like being a country that makes things, mm. this matters. It creates full-time secure work. And so uh, in a number of areas, we want to see some of that happen. And I love coming over to WA's, you know, I'm, I'll try to get here as much as I can and see really smart work being done from traditional sectors right through to leading, leading edge players. So today, you know, I visited Midland Bricks and seeing the stuff that they're doing about changing brick design, cutting emissions, but still increasing jobs and work, mm. through to Onco OncoRes uh, out at uh, Netherlands with Kate Chaney and working through with the crossbench about the value of this fund. And, and I've been sitting down with crossbenchers like Kate and others uh, and the Greens and just working through those issues. The coalition refused to back what we're doing to support manufacturing so we need to deal with the, with the crossbench as a result and just having those good conversations and working through issues and being grateful talking with people like Kate Cheney, who's you know, very common sense, very practical, and also wants to see growth of, say, medical manufacturing in her neck of the woods. So do you think she will support the bill? Uh, I'm going to leave her to speak uh, on her behalf. We can
1: read it the fact that you're walking through Nedlands with it today. I mean, that, that's a good indication, is uh,
0: Can I just say, I am happy... Uh, I, I just want to make this commitment to you and your listeners. I, I don't care what people's politics are. If they have if they want to work with us on building, manufacturing and all that it means for local communities and our economy, I don't care if you're liberal, I don't care if you're national, I don't care if you're green, I don't care if you're independent. Uh, I'm definitely uh, committed and I think people want to see politicians working together. They're sick of all the bun fights. Just get on with the job and do what's right for the country.
1: This bill also, as well, formulated out of the few years of COVID. I mean, we we saw Australia being isolated from the rest of the world, Western Australia more so than the rest of the country. Did that really highlight to you, Mm -hmm. when you're in opposition now, obviously, as Minister for Industry and Science, a need to be self-sufficient?
0: Well, we lived through this, right? The things we thought we could get, Mm. we couldn't get them at the time we needed them most. We realised that we're dependent on really concentrated supply chains, only one or two countries Mm. supplying some of that stuff. We've got, as a country, some of the worst, this is not something to be proud about, one of the worst levels of manufacturing self-sufficiency in the OECD. So that means we import a lot of someone else's product, a lot of uh, someone else's ideas that are transformed in that product. And we've got, in some key areas, we've got to do much better, value add and resources. Um, You know, we mine so much of the material used in batteries. We don't manufacture the stuff here, and it's so important uh, for us. Um, Value-add in agriculture, in medical manufacturing, and some of the Mm. critical technologies that are emerging and will be really important to us long-term. I know it doesn't necessarily get everyone's motor running, but this is the stuff governments... People often say they want governments to think long-term and act for that long-term future, and that's what this stuff's all about.
1: You just mentioned that there. So battery storage capability mm. here in Western Australia, because a lot of it's mine, the, mm. the, the, the minerals and the ingredients, if you like, for batteries uh, here in Western Australia. You want to take that next step and see the batteries manufactured here yeah. in WA.
0: And we owe a great um, debt of gratitude to, to WA because you do so much on mining and refining. Uh, we've got to now work at all parts of the battery value chain. I'm visiting the Future uh, Battery Industries uh, CRC here in Perth tomorrow. They're doing a lot of that long-term thinking about the value chain. So we go beyond mining and refining. We've got to look at processing, cell manufacture, the software, because a lot of these batteries, they're yep. very smart machines, and through to recycle and reuse because we want to have these batteries last as long as they can and be reused and not
1: end up in landfill. How much is this, though, a pipe dream versus a, a possible reality?
0: I can tell you that uh, there are a lot of our um, friends that are thinking deeply about how we get this right because it plays a big role in cutting emissions. we have one of the countries that leads the way in rooftop solar, but we don't store as much as we can. Mm. So countries like the US, I, I uh, visited there in late January, meeting with my counterpart, the Secretary of Commerce over there, and they're, they're saying, look, let's work together. They've set up a big a lot of money themselves through the Inflation Reduction Act. We're setting up the National Reconstruction Fund. How do we work together to get all those different parts of the value chain mm. worked out uh, so that we can make a difference? And, again, that we're not just dependent on one or two countries, but we're doing some of this work that's really important
1: to a country ourselves. Sure, and it can be financially viable. Yeah, well, I mean, the demand
0: is there, yes. right? So it's huge. Um The the urgency is there to help reduce emissions, to use what we're doing with solar and wind and see if we can store in batteries. Um, We've got the smarts here Mm. in different parts of the country. I visited Chemex today uh, out and off the top of my head, O'Connor, with uh, Josh Wilson, my Mm -hmm. colleague. Uh, And they're developing, they're processing the materials uh, in new ways uh, that go into that whole process as well. So you've got a lot of smart firms here in WA, very keen to work in with those firms. And you simply can't have a national reconstruction fund that doesn't think of the role of WA from the get-go. And that's why I visit here so much, to see these firms, to know what they're doing and to factor them into the national work that we're committed to.
1: Here's a bit of feedback from Alan. He says, "Ollie, I just heard Minister Ed Husic say they inherited a mess, yet the Prime Minister criticised the Morrison government when he announced the ending of JobKeeper mm-hmm. as it did what it was supposed to do and keep businesses and people afloat. It is very hypocritical. What would you say to Alan?
0: Well, okay, Alan, so uh, you know, our concern at that point in time is that we were very worried about people's livelihoods because the economy really wasn't on its best footing. And there are some things that we did agree should be Uh, invested in to keep that support there keep those jobs going and it's important in terms of the economy that people feel they've got that degree of confidence to be able to go on and spend and see that work its way through the broader community and economy but there were some things frankly that they waste a lot of money on and we didn't see and all that rewarding of of huge amounts of dollars and what did we get at the at the end of it so you know, we are committed to fixing and cleaning that up. I get get that there'll be people with different political views that yeah. take a different angle to it, but we are trying to do the way in which we use taxpayer dollars, that we do that in a much more sensible, practical, and also um, something with a lot more longer-term benefit uh, as well to the community. When
1: you say roaring, do you think some of those recipients of JobKeeper, now if they're profitable, should be paying it back?
0: I think the it's too... Quantas, for example, okay,
1: record profit last week. I could
0: week. give you the. I could give you the long answer. Here's the short one. No, why? I mean, I would love them to donate it back. And by the way, I can give you the details of You're the. You're
1: taking none of and, our
0: taxes anyway, Minister. Uh, you, you can, uh, th- those those companies, if they'd like to, can certainly make a uh, a repayment back. Uh, <laughs> details provided shortly. But the thing is, the amount of time you would spend to try and claw that back and get that back versus just, you know, recognising that the world's moved on. Um, it is just too difficult at this point to be able to claw claw that back. Uh, but JobKeeper, um, you know, it was important at that point in time. We urged for wage subsidies at that point to be put in when the world was starting to seize up, uh, particularly their economies. And, uh, you know, obviously we can have our differences of opinion politically with the coalition, but it was an important measure to keep people's livelihoods.
1: Minister, I appreciate you coming into the studios today and we look forward to seeing you back in the West shortly. Likewise. Good catching up. That is Ed Husic, the Minister for Industry and Science. If you'd like to have your say, give us a call, 133 882. Here is Bruce with the latest on our roads at 13 to 5.